0: Hello, internet friends, and welcome back to Love, Hate, Relationship, an opinionated podcast for opinionated people. I'm Andy Boel.
1: And I'm Alex Ruiz, and as always, we're here to brighten your day, anchor your soul, and tell you how to live your lives in that order. And Andy, on our last podcast, I think there was a point at which um, I told you, I admitted to you, that I had been drinking like a very deep glass of wine. For this recording, uh, it is currently 4 p.m., and like a very like a good responsible person i am not in fact drinking alcohol i'm drinking a protein shake which i feel like is such a night and day difference between what i was drinking last time
0: yeah i mean if you had gotten sloshed i i would have compared you to oscar isaac's character in ex machina who would drink himself into oblivion and then go on like the strictest of cleanses but but good on you for your protein shake See, I haven't seen Ex Machina, but I have seen,
1: I understand, I have seen the John Mulaney bit where he talks about getting blackout drunk every single night and how at a certain point he drank too much and he had to stop. That surprises a lot of audiences because I don't look like someone who used to do anything. (laughs) I look like I was just sitting in a room in a chair eating saltines for like 28 years (laughs) and then I walked right out here. Now I'm just picturing the John Mulaney biopic where he's played by Oscar Isaac, and I'm not mad about it.
0: I uh, I think it's an inspired bit of casting. <laughs> I'm here for it.
1: It'd be the one time where people are like, "Okay, Oscar, you need to not take off your shirt because no one will believe that you are John Mulaney, <laughs> right? The man who wanted to put on a second cardigan to get a massage just so that he would feel safe."
0: I think. John Mulaney is probably like the most viable candidate for a second love. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't
1: think I he... don't know when the next time he drops a special is. All Apparently, right. he's going to like do a children's special. I guess like a children's holiday special or something. I've re- I feel like I read this headline. Am I am I nuts?
0: Am I missing like uh, I have not seen this, but I I, I somehow believe it. <laughs> For someone who says the word fuck so often
1: he's also very wholesome he's so safe you know? yeah he's such a sweet boy and you just kind of i don't know if i've referenced this before i feel like there were there was some viral like tweet or tumblr post a while back where someone said uh i might have talked about this on the show before i don't remember but they said something about how um comedians nowadays uh who complain that like pc culture has ruined comedy like but at the same time bo burnham can do an entire bit about getting his hand stuck in a pringles can and john mulaney can do an entire bit about going to a diner and playing with a jukebox so maybe it's not that hard if you're actually funny
0: that's uh, you know, that's the side of the coin I land on, and I think those comedians and Todd Phillips are all just full of so much shit. I am seeing you are not insane. John Mulaney's next special will be a children's variety show, and the words "variety show" there are what make it entirely plausible to me. Like I, I don't know if I'd want to see John Mulaney's stand-up comedy special for like children like, family-friendly, nothing against Jim Gaffigan, but I, I I don't know if I'd want to see Mulaney do that. I will 100% watch John Mulaney host a children's variety show.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, is it terrible to admit, like, there's a part of me that kind of goes, all right, this is going to be like the Muppets, where, like, every fourth joke there's something where it's funny to a kid or it goes over a kid's head But the parents are like, oh my god, that was dirty.
0: We can only hope. I mean, hell, John Mulaney looks like Kermit the Frog. Oh my god. Right? Oh my god.
1: (laughs) It's like... It's like... You know, I feel like if you did the Am I a Man or Am I a Muppet, like, thing from the first Jason Segel Muppet movie with John Mulaney, I mean... He would probably basically be like a tan-colored Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Holy shit, son.
0: Yeah. I need a, a fourth reboot of the proper Muppet Show, and I need Melaney to guest star just so I can experience that awkwardness of their meeting. And oh, oh, that's disturbing. But we still haven't done a Muppets Love, huh?
1: You know, I didn't. I didn't grow up on the Muppets, really. Like. I, I I apparently was really into Sesame Street as a toddler. I don't remember this, but I do remember... I distinctly remember my first tape player was, like, a Burton Ernie tape player. Sure. That had, like... And I had a cassette with, like, some Sesame Street songs specifically sung by Burton Ernie. And I don't remember really watching Sesame Street as a kid, but apparently I did and I was into it. Um... But the Muppets, like, I didn't really get into the Muppets until I was probably, like, a teenager and I would watch, like, Muppets Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island, all of that stuff, just on TV when I was, at the very least, older than 10, if not a straight-up teenager.
0: Yeah, I think that's how how most people, our generation at least, got into the Muppets, you know, you, you play Muppet Treasure Island as a kid and... Then eventually, you know, you watch Muppets in Space or the Muppet Show. Of course, there's a Sesame Street connection. But
1: uh, it just, it felt like a gap for a very long time, which is funny because, like, um, one of my best friends growing up, like, he was raised on the Muppets, but he was raised on the Muppets like his parents were raised on the Muppets and, like, showed him the VHSs of old Muppets. from Like, the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So there was always I'd go over to his house and they'd make Muppet jokes and I had like okay, bork bork means something. What does (laughs) bork bork mean? And then a few years later, I watched like I Love the Seventies on VH1 and they did a whole thing about the Muppets and I went, oh, I should actually watch some of this show. And then I did and it was
0: delightful. Oh yeah, no,
1: I I never like. Sat down and watched the Muppets all the way through. Well, I'd be down for a love, but I feel like it'd be better as like love coming from you.
0: I was about to say, like, it, uh, it. I'll definitely bring it to the table because conversely, I'm the kid who got the first couple seasons of the Muppet Show on DVD, and like this is the original Muppet Show, which had you know Paul Williams and Vincent Price, and eventually Alice Cooper as the guest stars, and I just ate that shit up. So I will happily gush and gush and gush. And then we're going to yeah. get the John Mulaney Muppets reboot and my head will explode. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, Siegel's not doing it, anything. He could produce it. Why
1: didn't he come back to do the next one? Like
0: I, I, I'm almost a hundred percent sure that, um, the story there is for Muppets most wanted. They, they, like the writers of that movie very actively wanted to have different stars and Siegel and Amy Adams just asked for a ridiculous amount of money to do the 10 second cameo that would have been necessary of them to be in the second movie.
1: Mm, gotcha. Still haven't watched that second movie.
0: It, it's still not worth watching. Yeah. <laughs> hasn't gotten any better since whenever we we brought it up last
1: when when you and mariah introduced me to its existence that's right there you go (laughs) speaking of um well frankly good ass television uh do you want to get started hell yeah my man okay uh so folks this is love hate relationship Uh, After we do a little banter up front, uh, which is always just great for our download numbers, uh, we like to get into our show. It's three segments. Uh, One of us talks about some topic or thing that we just really, really deeply love. One of us comes to the table with a topic of something that we deeply hate and we think the world would be better if this thing were sorely dealt with somehow. Uh, and then we take a question regarding a relationship, and I don't know, I kind of love our topics here. Uh, our notes are pretty sparse. We kind of did this one on some short notice, but hey, uh, hope we've done that in the past, and the episodes have come out okay. So without further ado, Andy, I'm going to get started with the love.
0: Adieu away.
1: Okay. So like I love to do, Andrew, um, I'm going to start with a question, and this question to those of you who know what the topic I'm discussing, those of you who read the title, um, this question is gonna might seem a little I don't know out of nowhere, out of left field, uh, but I I have a point with it, and I, I will get to it. So Andy, you grew up you know in the '90s, early 2000s, obviously. Um, What was your experience as a fan, and I know from the drops you put in our episodes that you're a fan, what was your experience as a fan of The Simpsons over the years?
0: It's a winding web, really, because, like, growing up as a little kid, The Simpsons were on the same level as South Park in terms of it was something that my mom vehemently refused to let me watch. Uh, Really, the only difference is my dad really liked South Park, so he would watch it, and if I happened to, you know, catch five minutes before I was shooed away, all the better. My dad was never a huge Simpsons fan, so it wasn't until I was 12, 14, uh, somewhere, somewhere around my entering fifth grade year, um, so I guess closer to 12 I put my foot down one summer and just started playing Simpsons on TV when it came on you know every day after I got home from school made the argument that I was old enough to um, you know watch this show that had been so ostracized for my childhood up until that point and my mom accepted it and that divulged into this good, five, six year span where I just utterly loved the Simpsons as you and anyone else who's heard me put a drop probably could guess, you know, I got the first seven seasons on DVD for a long time. I had this giant poster of every Simpsons character, like hanging above my bed. It became a cultural touchstone for me. Um, and I, I very much have, you know, enjoyed The Simpsons ever since. I just made sure that I basically stopped watching after everyone agrees it got bad.
1: Yeah. And and it's funny because, like, okay, I also very much grew up on The Simpsons. And I, th- I think there were only, like, three... My parents almost never restricted anything I watched. Like, I was watching R-rated movies. I was watching, like, really violent TV. The whole shebang. Because they were honestly just like, he's fine. He's I think they just thought I was trustworthy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it was the, like, I'm the younger sibling thing. I'm the younger youngest kid, so it was like, oh, we... <sighs> We tried that restriction stuff with the older one, and, and whatever. <laughs> just let him watch the shit. Um, the only things my parents ever restricted me on, there was a point where they were like, you're watching too much Power Rangers, because I wouldn't stop karateing everything. I wasn't allowed to watch South Park, and I still did. I the, And I think the only reason I wasn't allowed was because, like, my mom had learned about it and like just watching news reports they were like this is the filthiest TV TV show out there and she was like you shouldn't watch the South Park thing but she went to bed at like 9.30 and it was on at 10 and I had a TV in my bedroom so if I kept the volume low I was fine so nothing really happened there and then I remember being grounded from watching The Simpsons because I mooned my older sister <laughs> and she was like Okay, I know exactly which... Si- you got that from The Simpsons. You got that from the episode of The Simpsons where Bart went to Australia and mooned the Australian government from across an embassy gate and wrote, Don't tread on me on his butt. Uh, which is a great episode of The Simpsons, you guys. Um, so I was grounded from watching The Simpsons for like a month. And then I think I still watched it again before the month was up. But like, The Simpsons was imperative for me. Like you, like... Where do you think The Simpsons, like, fell off versus got great?
0: Um, you know, certainly anything over the past... uh, Anything since Simpsons the movie might as well not exist to me. I I saw Simpsons the movie in theaters. I very much enjoyed it. I sang Spider-Pig just as much as anyone else.
1: Does whatever a Spider-Pig does.
0: But I also sort of thought that like okay that's the perfect moment to end the show you know you got 25 seasons and a movie and you know this is a debate for another time but i think Groening's efforts on futurama over the past the, that same amount of time have been much better than anything the simpsons has put out you know the the rule of thumb is the simpsons got bad after the principal skinner episode and, Armin
1: Tenzerian, right? Yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, and and you know, I mean, I I generally agree with that. I think after that. whatever the span is between that episode and the movie like it's it's fine it's okay there are some gems there but the simpsons had already passed the high water mark and then you get Mm. to everything that's come out since the movie which was what 10 years ago at this point we've gotten another 10 seasons of the simpsons and as far as i'm concerned those just don't exist i don't think i've seen a second of it so that's completely fair um and I think
1: most fans will agree with you. It's like it got good somewhere around season two or three. That first season of the Simpsons. Oh is very yeah, bad.
0: sure. I will. I will absolutely um, agree with that. Yeah,
1: that's like it got good around season two or three. It got bad around season eight or nine. Um, yeah, but there's no debating that that show was imperative to a lot of our childhoods and a lot of pop culture. Now, thank you for answering that. The reason why. I wanted to start with a discussion of The Simpsons is I feel like now, currently, in 2019, uh, this episode is actually our last episode of 2019, so, you know, Happy New Year, y'all. I think there's another show that deserves the mantle that The Simpsons carries. And my goal here, Andrew, is to try and convince you and our listeners that that is the case. Okay. And... And that show, you've read the title, is Bob's Burgers. Now, Andy, before we started recording, I asked you... I I figured you were familiar with the show to some degree... And um, I want you to tell the listeners how familiar you are, exactly what you told me before we started.
0: Yeah, I, I would say familiar to some degree is entirely accurate. I, I know of the show. I, I know the characters. Specifically, what I, t- what I said to you is you've got Bob, Tina, Linda, Eugene Merman, and Kristen Schaal, because I don't remember the names of the other two kids. But, you know. Jean and Louise. Jean and Louise. The okay, letter. there you go. Yeah, saying that, yeah. obviously um you know i'm i'm familiar with the show i didn't realize it had been on for a decade at this point but out of the 10 seasons i have probably seen about a season and a half um i don't really have any good reason as to why it's not something i'm more familiar with other than there's you know there's just so much entertainment nowadays but I, you know, I understand the show is a very highly positively reviewed and seen show. So, I, you know, I, I think I know enough about it to have you hold my hand as we talk about it today.
1: No, I appreciate that.
0: Um, as of time of
1: recording, uh, the show is in its 10th season. Some um, basic rundown on it. My notes are terrible for this episode. Um, created by Lauren Bouchard and developed by him and Jim Dotrieve. Uh, if those names aren't familiar to you, don't worry about it. Uh, they're, the, they're the folks who uh, created or developed or worked on uh, both home movies and King of the Hill, respectively. Those are kind of each of their claim to fame. claims to fame prior to Bob's Burgers. Uh, the show centers on burger restaurant owners Bob and Linda Belcher and their kids Tina, Jean, and Louise. You named, you know, three fifths of that cast very well, Andrew. Well done. Um, and the stories generally center kind of Simpsons esque around things ranging from the family's general, like, poverty, lack of money type of situation to kind of individual character motifs. Linda's performative excess, Bob's minute obsessiveness, Tina's awkward teenness, Jean's Gene's musical hyperactivity, or Louise basically kind of being a Bart Simpson-y, ridiculous mischief-maker type of character. And I'm, I'm very intrigued, Andy, that you've only seen like the first season and a half because intriguingly, I, I know a lot of people who have said to me, like they started watching Bob's Burgers back when it like first debuted in I think 2011 is what my my info says and you know they they watched it as it was coming out kind of it, it was it's been ever since it debuted it's been part of that Fox "quote unquote I hate this marketing term for <laughs> it their animation domination block" where they'd have, like, Simpsons and Future, they had Futurama for a while there. Uh, Futurama dropped off, and then and they had King of the Hill on there for a while. King of the Hill dropped off. I think now it's Family Guy, the Simpsons and Bob's Burgers, generally. I, 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 I haven't had terrestrial TV in a hot minute, sure. and it's been even longer than that since I actually sat and watched, like, Sundays on Fox like I used to when I was watching new episodes of the Simpsons and King of the Hill actually but it's it's been a part of that block and it seems like a show that a lot of people have kind of said oh yeah I I fell off of it around like season season 3 season 4 like I I got busy or I dropped terrestrial TV is it available on streaming? Like, it, for some reason, a lot of people forget about the show. Yeah. And and I, I don't understand how. You know, it is a show that I have watched almost entirely on streaming. You know, it's available on Hulu right now. And it is ridiculously addicting when you actually go through it. Like the the episodes, and it's and it's sitcom style, you know. It's the bottle episode. A bottle episode is the wrong term. It's like it because that actually means something, right? Um,
0: well, yeah, a bottle episode is when like normally you have a long arcing, arcing narrative, and then you take a break from it to do something isolated that you can you know run the entire story in one episode with bob's burgers they're all bottle episodes i think that's still the appropriate yeah. term but
1: okay yeah and, and i mean it's that's the thing every episode has its own plot it usually centers on one maybe two characters and the other characters are kind of ancillary to the plot um or are supporting and again this is a lot like the simpsons And at the end of the episode, they're, like, in future episodes, they might occasionally reference something that happened in a previous episode, but there are no season-long arches. It is all, you have one story that's told in 22 minutes. And it is, and at the end of that story, like, things are pretty much back to the status quo. And I'd argue that what the Simpsons kind of perfected for a time with their heyday, um, Bob's Burgers has kind of taken even farther. Because I'm, I'm currently up to date on the show. I have watched every episode of its ten seasons. And it maybe it's the fact that it lends itself so well to streaming. But I have never gotten tired of this show and watching the show from beginning to end the characters have the the it, it's a, it's a case where the characters have always been what they are from the beginning but they have just kind of deepened over the years sure does that make
0: sense yeah cuz i mean without having seen into the later parts of the show i mean you know and any any of these animated shows the characters grow into their own, you know, season one Mm. Bart and Lisa are different than season five Bart and Lisa. But I think the problem hugely hugely different, hugely different. But I think the problem, a lot of these shows fall into is that season five Bart and Lisa are the same as season 15 Bart and Lisa are the same as season 25 Bart and Lisa. And I would argue it's even worse with family guy where, you know, after uh, Mila Kunis stopped voicing Meg Griffin, I don't think Meg has really had any significant character development since then. Who's voicing Meg now? I thought it was still Mila Kunis. Oh well, okay, I, yeah, I, I got it. I got it mixed up, but you get my point. Oh God, yeah. What was I'm trying to remember the name of the
1: original Meg? It was she's one of the she's one of the actors in Mean Girls. Uh never mind.
0: Oh, Lacey Chabert. Oh, that was it.
1: Lacey Chabert, that was it. They even brought her back for like a one-off bit at one point uh in an episode I remember. Right. I, st- I fell off family guy a long time ago, but like I do remember that. But um but yeah. So with with the characters, like I'm going I can just focus on the main family of Bob's Burgers. You have in the first episode, you have the fact that Linda likes to sing these dumb, weird little songs and probably drinks a little too much wine. You have the fact that Bob is kind of a straight man character in that he isn't as weird as, like, all the rest of his families in that and he's mostly just, like, kind of a quiet guy who just kind of goes, oh my god, you all are so weird and strange. But at the same time, he also, like, Plays with his kitchen appliances and gives them, like, little voices. And he's like, hey, toaster, what are you doing over there? Oh, not much, Bob. I'm just making some toast. Like, he talks to himself in this way. You have Tina, who is um, a complete, just total and utter nerd, who is also, like, obsessed with boys and... Is not quite at the point where she gets what sex is, but does understand that she likes the idea of like kissing somebody or touching butts, but like doesn't isn't hasn't quite connected it to the next step yet. Gene, the boy, the the, the son, is like this very like obsessed with music and he loves playing with like a keyboard that he has. But he also still samples it with, like, fart noises so he can play things that sound like farts. And Louise is a Bart Simpson. She's just, like, she, she she's Bart Simpson mixed with Eddie from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Like, she pulls pranks. She, yeah. like, gets, she gets her siblings on board for her, like, weird little plots. She's obsessed with, like, how do we get off school early? How do we, like make a bunch of money off of this thing that we found. Like that's, and those little roots have always been there. But as the show has progressed, they have found small tweaks and additions and adjustments to the characters that have really, really made them interesting.
0: Have you heard of herpes? Have yes, you? Do yes. you know what herpes feels like on your mouth? Yes. What, what is it, what?
1: Like, um, cuts on your mouth. That sounds right. You not having watched more recent episodes, it might sound kind of weird if I tell you that it's never a plot line, but something that has just come up as like a regular series of jokes have been how Linda and Gene are clearly one another's favorites. Like, Linda is Gene's favorite parent, and he will often make, like, weird comments that are just, like, so she makes, uh, there was an episode I watched recently where um, she says something like, she she compliments herself as having, like, a really, I think she says, like, I have a really great singing voice, and Jean in the backseat in the car goes, and a caboose that won't quit.
0: Yeah, I've seen that. because, yeah, yeah.
1: because you and, and I guarantee most of those are probably Eugene Merman just, like, ad-libbing shit because that's Eugene Merman. But, like, Gene and Linda being one another's favorite is has been a plot point maybe, like, once or twice. But it's also just been this great source of just character development and comedy and a source for really dense jokes in scenes where the two of them are in the same room. Maybe not even in the same room alone together, but just, like, in the same room. And that kind of subtle character development, I think, does so much for the longevity of this show and for the fact that it has kind of continued on. Um, Do you remember from the episodes you've watched the character of Teddy, the handyman?
0: Yeah, Teddy is the Barney to um, Bob's Homer is is how I sort of equate it in my brain. That's a good comparison. Uh, although Homer and Barney
1: are, like, clearly very into one another as friends, like, mutually. Whereas Bob frequently is just like, uh, Teddy is way more into being friends with me than I am into being friends with him. Like... Bob frequently does things for Teddy out of a sense of just like, Ugh, I I guess I don't want to do this, but I I, <laughs> I guess I have to. Like you're my friend, yeah. and I don't want to do this, and it's really inconvenient, and I'm gonna make comments about it the whole time. But but that's a fair that's a fair comparison. And at the beginning of the show, Teddy is like he's voiced by Larry Murphy. He is this just like kind of weird. He's there with Mort a lot, who's their next-door neighbor, who's a mortician. Um, And the two of them are very much, like, these ancillary background characters who sometimes make little, like, random comments. In more recent episodes, like, or in seasons, he has basically been promoted to, like, one of the main cast members, down to, if there are episodes where he's not part of the plot, like, several of the Thanksgiving episodes that I watched on Thanksgiving because they were doing a Thanksgiving marathon uh, on TV. And we like, we can't get the Macy's Day parade, so let's just marathon Bob's Burgers Thanksgiving episodes. Um, <laughs> oh, it's delightful. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, there are several times where like, as they're trying to find solutions, they'll be like, oh, let's call Teddy Teddy, like, we're stuck in the snow. Let's call Teddy and see if he can bring his truck. And they'll call Teddy, and there's a scene where Teddy answers the phone, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm on a singles cruise in the Bahamas with my mom. She's she's trying to pick up a new boyfriend. I don't know how I feel about it, Bob. And Bob's just like, okay, Teddy, I got to go. He's (laughs) like, it's really uncomfortable, Bob. And he just hangs up. (laughs) And so he's, like, they just... He's basically a full-on cast member now, and they've gotten some really fantastic stories out of doing that. Just letting the show evolve in a really gradual way that has kept it fresh, but still familiar and not felt like the difference between first season Homer Simpson, who is basically just like a Fred Flintstone archetype. To, like, 8th season Homer, who basically has another job every single episode. Like, this episode, he's an astronaut. And then this episode, he's working on a nuclear submarine. And it's it just constantly shifting everything over and over and over again. Because you can't get a plot out of anything derived from character interactions. Am I making sense? You
0: know, I... I, I y- you are making sense, and you know the thing that I keep thinking about is you know Mariah likes the show. I don't know if she she's seen probably twice as much than as as I have, but that's still give or take three seasons. Mariah very much likes Bob's Burgers, and you know was the the basically the impetus for me watching it in the first place. I I think you sell the concept absolutely for anyone who hasn't seen it, and you know something. Um, important when it comes to selling it is the fact that you know by and large it's pretty clean i mean compared to something like big mouth or even bojack horseman would you oh yeah yeah absolutely the cast is phenomenal you know i utterly adore h john benjamin eugene merman is one of the smartest comics i know i used to have such a huge crush on on uh (laughs) shaw nice it I'm sitting here being like why why haven't I seen more of this show and I really don't have that good of an answer Yeah, I mean, like if you're a fan of
1: great voice actors, h John Benjamin is Bob, which like if you're if you're at all a fan of home movies and remember coach McGurk, if you're a fan of Archer like he's he's important there John Roberts. Plays Linda and has fully admitted that Linda is based on his own mother, who like speaks with a heavy New Jersey accent and sings random stupid songs about nothing whatsoever. And and he's fantastic at that. Dan Mintz, who anyone who's a fan of Dan Mintz's comedy, like Dan Mintz voices Tina. Who was a character originally developed to be like a son. I don't even remember what they were gonna name him, but when they changed when they changed the character into a girl, Dan Mintz changed nothing about his performance. Tina has <laughs> the most monotone voice, but says, but talks about how like what a strong sensual woman she is. And she's supposed to be a 13-year-old girl who, again, hasn't quite figured out what sex is, but understands that, like, butts are great.
0: Which is a, you know, a, a key turning point in everyone's yeah. life. Yeah, no,
1: I, I I remember that middle school classroom. Uh, I was never, same. <laughs> I was never the same again. <laughs> Ugh. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and I would be remiss if I didn't say, like, there are things about the... Again, reinvoking The Simpsons, because I really think that this show has continued that torch better than The Simpsons has. It has a cast of ancillary characters that you're just kind of delighted... Like, there are no ancillary characters that I ever kind of go, okay, I, I, I guess we're going to have a Mort episode, or... I guess uh, I guess Cinnamon is gonna be in this one. Like, Cinnamon is fantastic. Cinnamon is a roller skating drag queen esque character who was introduced in like season three, and ever since then she just skates by, and she'll just be and Bob will just be like, "Oh hey, Cinnamon," and and Cinnamon will just be like, "Hey, babe.
0: <laughs> so so one of the one of the. Probably the one episode I remember all the way through is the one where Bob picks up a second job as a cab driver and winds up befriending a group of uh, either drag queens or prostitutes. I don't I don't think which. they make is, it clear is, is which. That... Right, sure. I think Is that the introduction yes, of Cinnamon? That is the
1: introduction of Cinnamon. And, awesome. And Cinnamon has just kept coming by. Um, there's sure, There's sure, Linda's sure. sister, Gail, played by Megan Mullally. Um, who is a recluse who has, like, three cats and is, leads the saddest existence ever. Like, one of the Thanksgiving episodes I watched, Bob has to go pick her up. And she, like, she owns exactly one bowl, which she is using for the salad that she made. She has, like, no forks whatsoever. Everything in her home is, like, covered in cat litter And she fakes breaking an ankle so that she can get attention because she thinks her boyfriend has broken up with him, with her, but he's actually just going to go visit his aunt for Thanksgiving and she thought that he was lying to, like, break up with her because that kind of thing has happened to her so many times before. There's Jimmy Jr. who is, like, let's be fair, clearly gay, um... And, or by, it is like obsessed with dancing and has like a, and he has like a palate issue, so he's got a little bit of a speech impediment. And Tina is completely in love with him, but he like alternates between not wanting to give her the time of day, but then like as soon as she gets attention from another boy, he's like, no, no, Tina, I'm, uh, I guess. I guess I'm into you now. Like, it's... (laughs) the, The ancillary characters in this show are all fantastic. Jenny Slate, who we talked about on our Big Mouth episode, she plays Tammy, who's a recurring, like, antagonist to Tina. Like, Tina has probably the best just ancillary cast, like the people around her. And, again, I'm never sitting here going like, There was a point where I was tired of like Mo episodes of The Simpsons where I was like, "Uh," or a Chief Wiggum episode. Like, I'd be mad if there was a Chief Wiggum episode because like Chief Wiggum is a character you need in very small doses. Okay, folks, show's over. Nothing to see here. Show's... Oh my God! A horrible plane crash! But like, I'm never mad about any of the ancillary characters coming in here. It's as dense with jokes as any like... I'd say it's as it's almost as dense as like a Thirty Rock or an Arrested Development. That's how thickly it layers on the physical comedy, the general jokes, the side comments. Just every single minute of this show is so fantastic. Zach Galifianakis and Kevin Klein are regular characters on it, and I, I just I love this show so much, Andrew, and. For 10 seasons now, it has consistently been great quality. I have not seen a bad episode of Bob's Burgers. I have seen episodes that I was, like, more into than others. But I have never seen a bad one. And I famously hate a lot of things. (laughs) It's true. Look, look, hey, look at the podcast I had an idea for. Um, But I... And I want to wrap this up because we're 40 minutes in at this point and I want to kind of start closing out. But for me, there was a time when if I wanted the smart show, the brilliant show, the show that made me laugh beyond all measure, but also kind of think, but also kind of feel and identify with the characters for a very long time. That was The Simpsons. I still argue Lisa Simpson is one of, like, the most important characters to me coming up. Like, Storm, Lisa Simpson, Reggie Rocket, and I don't know who else. Uh, Donatello from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There, we're done. But The Simpsons has let me down. Like, after certain people... After Sam Cedar left after, like, season four, there's a definite shift. After Matt Groening left after, I think, season eight... There was a definitive shift and the show started relying on a different kind of premise. It became a different kind of show. And I'm not mad at it for evolving, but it has—it doesn't feel like The Simpsons I fell in love with anymore. Whereas I fell in love with Bob's Burgers after the first couple of episodes and I have consistently loved the show throughout. And for as long as it continues going with this level of quality, I'm going to argue that it deserves to take The Simpsons' place in our hearts and in our collective consciousness as, like, the family animated sitcom.
0: And I love that. I I submit to your suggestion. I'm, I, I've got, you know, eight and a half-ish seasons of catching up to do, but... You know, the the biggest thing, all these, every animated sitcom I can think of has a longevity point, and most of them have passed that. The Simpsons, you know, passed it around the time of the Simpsons movie. Family Guy, I would argue, passed it. American Dad passed it. Um, and, you know, I started this by saying I didn't realize... Bob's Burgers was on its 10th season, and so the one thing I'm really curious about is to see how much longer it goes and to see how the quality is impacted. But you're really selling me on the idea that if any show can ride off into the sunset and, and be good all the way throughout, it's Bob's Burgers. So thank you're you, welcome. man.
1: You're uh, you ready to get yeah. to this hate topic that I know very little
0: about but I'm intrigued by? <laughs> Yeah, we're flipping the tables this time. This hate is... It's been a while since I've talked about sports, I feel like. Sure. And the last sports team I talked about, I jinxed horribly and possibly irreparably, and that's back when I talked about how much I loved the Tampa Bay Lightning. (laughs) And I'm hoping that this power I seem to have manifest itself yet again because today we're talking about why i hate the new england patriots okay
1: i know the patriots are the team with tom brady i know the patriots are (laughs) considered by some to be like sort of the yankees of football uh i know that's i know that's not a one-to-one comparison but like there are people who make that argument Uh, and I know that uh, my dear friend Brandon, hey Brandon, is a huge Patriots fan, and I made fun of him (laughs) when the deflate gate thing happened. That's all I have for you.
0: Okay, that's you know, that's a fair enough, uh, a fair amount. You knew that I was talking about a football team, so at least we're working with that base layer here. Uh, for anybody who is less in the know than Alex, the New England Patriots are the football team of the greater Boston area. And I'm I'm quoting from Wikipedia there. You know, perfectly aside from anything else, I always thought it was so weird that you had the St. Louis Rams, the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, and then the New England Patriots. I can't think... Like, the only other team in sports that I can, like, I, I, that does the same weird name thing is the Golden State Warriors, who are a California basketball team. But, you know, it, in any case, it, maybe it made them stand out a little more. Maybe the New England Patriots runs off the tongue better than the Massachusetts Patriots or the Boston Patriots. What have you. In any case. Better than the Utah Jazz. Well, most things are. <laughs> <laughs> Um, The New England Patriots were formed in 1969. Nice. Nearly 40 years after the formation of the National Football League. And despite being younger than 27 of the remaining 31 teams, New England holds the record for the most Super Bowl championship wins, tied at six, all of which coming in the past 17 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are one of the greatest sports teams of the past 20 years, but they are also one of the most controversial, which is mainly what we're going to focus on for this topic. Okay, let's get into it. So we've talked at great lengths about how much of a hockey fan I am, and we haven't really talked about any other sport Other than to mention, I think, way back in one of our first episodes, how, you know, I used to watch football a little bit and then dropped it. Part of the reason I dropped it is because, like, I can remember as a kid, my dad being a huge football fan. You know, your stereotypical watch it three times a week kind of guy. And when I think about my dad watching football, I think about my dad screaming at the TV in anger. (laughs) A fucking football team! okay if the opposing team did something good if if the team we didn't want to win did something good obviously they were cheating if the team that we were rooting for did something bad or or didn't you know get a point didn't get a touchdown it was because they sucked and also the opposing team was obviously cheating sure and after like 10 11 years of this i just kind of tuned out the sport completely this notion that no matter what it was fixed and somebody was cheating but with the patriots there's kind of an argument to be made there all right so yeah dear apologies to brandon who i'm sure is going to fact check me on all of this but we're going to talk about the several major cheating scandals the patriots have been involved in over the past uh 17 years or so, mainly, but it's interesting. In, in researching this, I found a website called yourteamcheats.com, which is actually really delightful because it takes every major sports team and has a tallied list of how many times that team has been involved in some sort of cheating scandal. <laughs> and now, in fairness, um, the Patriots apparently have been involved in 27 cheating scandals. Which is on the middle to low end. So, according to this website, at least, and, and you know, in fairness, apparently they aren't the biggest cheaters in football. But I'm going to take a stance that that maybe they are, just because of how ho- how high profile their cheating is.
1: Now, uh, I just pulled up yourteamsheets.com. This is a football only site. It appears to be yes. Yeah, all 32 NFL teams. Damn, because see now, I was really, really hoping to get some stats on how many like international weightlifting teams cheat because a lot of them cheat. Oh, sure. Shit A lot of them cheat, so uh, hopefully they like expand us at some point. But um, no, please continue. I'm going to link yourteamcheats.com in our show notes. Um, you can check it out for yourselves if you're a football fan interested to know how much cheating your team has done
0: absolutely Uh, but before we get into that i i can't talk about the patriots controversies without talking about one incident that isn't really cheating Um, and that is um, talking about former patriots tight end aaron hernandez Now, This one I actually know something about. I I was about to say, this this is only four years old at this point, so most people, even with a cursory knowledge of football, probably remember this. But in 2015, uh, Aaron Hernandez was found guilty of murder of a semi-professional football player named Odin Lloyd. Over the course Mm -hmm. of the trial, Hernandez became under suspicion for at least two more unsolved murders of men who had been seen fighting in a bar with Hernandez. So it's not like they just mm-hmm. tried to pin two unrelated murders on this guy. It's like, no, these two were seen fighting with Hernandez in a bar, and a couple days later they were dead from gunshot wounds. So there was a case to be made. However, in fairness, Hernandez was not found guilty of those two murders. He was found guilty of the murder of Odin Lloyd. Okay, And, I mean, just... You know, after the fact, and I I don't want to totally demonize the guy, but I I can remember, you know, and there were news reports talking about how, like, Aaron Hernandez fit the profile of a serial killer. And and there was all this speculation that he had been, you know, over a course of, like, six, seven years just killing people all over the eastern seaboard. In any case, um, Hernandez committed suicide in his cell in 2017 and afterwards his his brain was donated to science and it was discovered that hernandez suffered massive uh suffered massively from cte also known as chronic traumatic encephalopathy that's Uh, correct more commonly known and, and i'm happy i pronounced that correctly but more commonly known as like concussion syndrome yeah And, you know, we still haven't gotten into concussions as a hate. It's definitely on the docket. You know, any major athlete, specifically uh, football players and hockey players, deal with numerous concussions over their career. You know, movies have been made, studies have been done about how concussions really change your brain, damage your brain in irrevocable ways. And, you know, we're never really going to know if – the CTE changed Hernandez's personality, making him increasingly violent, or if it was a coincidental factor. And, you know, it's also worth mentioning sports in general is rife with crime. And, you know, Hernandez is by no means the only NFL football player to murder somebody or beat their wife or, you know, get involved with the Russian mafia or or any amount of things. Sure. Yeah. So I don't just want to demonize the guy. And, you know, as I was writing this up clear, I'm here to talk about why I hate the Pats. This is a little bit of a low hanging fruit, cheap shot, because, you know, I can't sit here and say that the Patriots did anything wrong when they signed this guy way back in like 2010, you know, it, it, if there is anything that what am I trying to say here? Um, You know, if there was any evidence of Hernandez's dangerous tendencies that the Patriots knew about and kept under wraps, none of that has ever come to light. It would be purely speculative to say that, but you know, I just, I can't, like I said, I can't talk about the Patriots history of scandals without talking about one of the most famous ones in recent memory. So,
1: yeah. And I mean, like, you're not going to blame the Pittsburgh Steelers for Ben Roethlisberger being a piece of shit. Right. It just so happens that, you know, Ben Roethlisberger signed to the Steelers. And is a piece before, of shit. Yeah. And is a piece of shit. Like, were there signs of him having been a piece of shit prior to that? I don't know. Maybe. I, I didn't exactly follow his career. Um, and I, I know where he is in the news. I, I know there are some football teams that ignore or don't really ask questions about people uh, they're signing out of college, but you can go back to our NCAA episode about our opinions on how colleges treat the misconduct of their own athletes. So,
0: Are you referring to our student-athletes? Student-athletes. Oh, that is brilliant, Zap. Now, when we sell their likeness for video games, how do we get around paying for our slave uh, student athletes then?
1: I appreciate your caveat.
0: Yeah. Um, So, to move on to the actual cheating, the actual things that I can, you know, point at the New England Patriots and and say, I hate you for this over. Um, (laughs) The first is, over the past 12 years, uh, six players have been caught using performance-enhancing drugs. As we mentioned mm-hmm. that last episode, all athletes cheat. So again, yeah. this this isn't something I can isolate to the Patriots, but still, at the same time, you know, over the past twelve years, you've had at least one issue every other year of one of your players getting caught using performance-enhancing drugs.
1: Um, I mean, in in my look, in my sport of weightlifting. The performance enhancing drug situation has been gotten so bad that the sport was almost thrown out of the Olympics. And the only reason it wasn't was because a panel uh, a panel was commissioned by the IWF at the behest of the IOC to come up and with and present a plan for dealing with PEDs in the sport and that included like banning several countries from multiple world championships and cutting down the number of people they could send to the Olympics just because it was so so fucking prevalent and they managed to save the sport for now but <laughs> but it's 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 been a, it's been a part of the culture of that sport since god the 50s 60s when you know that sport was where a lot of performance enhancing drugs kind of started off like where they started percolating and were originally tested on weightlifters and I guarantee you the testing standards for the NFL are not as rigid as the ones for Olympic athletes and in Olympic sports especially ones like weightlifting where and track and field where because it looks like they're going to be taken out of the Olympics. There are now people getting tested literally, like, every couple of weeks. I'm amazed that only six people were caught. That, to me, says that they're not working very hard at catching them, Right is my point.
0: No, absolutely. Like, more than six people in the Pats locker room were using performance-enhancing drugs. That is, like, I have no evidence, and yet that is a fact in my mind and, and just in fairness, it's, again, not the Pats. It's, you know, the Denver Broncos apparently had, like, 12 players over 14 years that were caught doing this. Every team has a list of players who were caught using PEDs and then handed out a suspension. So still, again, caveat, it wasn't just the Patriots doing this. And it's not just football doing this. The NHL has a cocaine problem that we're kind of refusing to talk about. but
1: Amphetamines in baseball.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So yeah. just speeding through into like the more isolated things. In 2007, the Patriots were caught filming their opponents' play calls. For anybody who doesn't quite understand the gravity of that, like it is acceptable to film games from your side of the field where you can't necessarily see the coaches telling the players what to do what plays to run and this is what bill belichick and the patriots were doing this is the incident that is famous and was uh you know lampooned on south park where it was a misinterpretation of the rules um, i misinterpreted the rules exactly You know, further investigation revealed the Patriots had been doing this for the past five years, which is the same time that they had their first, like, real run of dominance of the league. And Mm -hmm. you can't sit here and tell me that it's coincidence that the Patriots were, you know, this juggernaut of football over the same amount of time that it turned out they were filming what their opponents were doing. like. Like, that is absolutely cheating. Bill Pelichick was fined $500,000. The team was fined uh, $250,000. And I believe they had a first-round draft pick, like, suspended that they could not use that year. That, for the longest time, was the biggest um, single incident of cheating that you could pin on the Patriots until... A couple of years ago where as you mentioned even you've heard of you have heard of deflate gate uh alex Mm. what what do you remember about deflate gate real quickly (laughs) what i remember
1: about deflate gate is somebody was caught deflating the ball which did something to make it easier for one team to win yes um, I don't understand how deflating a ball does that. <laughs> um, I, I once again completely pleading my ignorance. I know a lot about the politics surrounding these things, but I don't know shit about the actual game. I st- uh, my sister has explained what like second and two at the 11 yard line means to me on probably three or four occasions and I still don't fucking get it.
0: And, and you know what? That's fine. That's that you you understand the basic premise. Um, in the 2015 playoffs, specifically uh, one of the conference championship games, the Patriots were accused of deflating their game footballs in the actual game, thereby making them easier to throw and catch. The logic here is um, if a ball is deflated under a certain threshold specifically 12.5 psi uh you know it's basically then a denser object it is easier to throw because it is slightly lighter and it travels through the air better because it is slightly denser okay Um, an important thing to note is the patriots would go on to win not only that game but also win the super bowl that year now through a very convoluted series of events, they were never actually found guilty of deflating the footballs to go through it very quickly. What happened is a certain reporter whose name I did not take down, uh, didn't do the proper research and basically sent out a tweet saying that 11 out of the 12 footballs were under deflated. In the end, it turned out that one football was under deflated severely And the rest of them were like just below the threshold of what would be considered acceptable. Um, There was a a whole lot of, he said, she said there was a whole lot of, well, this reporter uh, stated things inaccurately and we're going to focus on that rather than the information we have now. The, the basically the ending of that whole scenario is, The Patriots still won the Super Bowl and Tom Brady served a four-game suspension mandated by the league, which he did not fight. Now, to me, I think there's still enough there where you can say Deflategate was an actual issue and that the Patriots, again, like, just squirreled around with the rules of the game enough where, yeah, they get a slap on the wrist, but they also got a Super Bowl championship for their troubles, so. And... You know, so so that, to, to wrap up, this leads me to, to you know, what's my point? I, I've i talked about a lot of stuff that is either not really the Patriots' fault, something that the Patriots were not alone in doing, or were something that you could contest the Patriots' actual guilt on. And the only answer I can give is, you, you know, fandoms are weird. It's it. It seems to me really that no single team has faced as many high-profile cheating issues over the past twenty years, and yet the Patriots, Tom Brady, and Bill Belichick are adored by maybe as many people as they are reviled. I dropped hockey, or I dropped football as a kid in favor of hockey. I really don't have a horse in the race as far as football goes, and yet I hate to see a cheater. There is enough here that you can't tell me the Patriots aren't cheaters. At best, you could make an argument that everyone else in national football is also cheating. And that makes me go, oh my God, my dad had a point. (laughs) But really, like to compare this to something I'm much more familiar with, to compare this to hockey, the Chicago Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups in six years. And while I don't like the Blackhawks, I don't hate them. I hate the Patriots because, like it or not, earned or not, they have this reputation as cheating. And, and, you know, we've also talked at length about how I have never had a sports team I am currently a fan of win a championship. So maybe I'm salty. Maybe I've got a chip on my shoulder. Maybe if I had grown up in Boston, I would be whistling a completely different tune. But I would not want my dynasty tainted in such a way. I mean, again, what I'm familiar with
1: more than anything on a subject like this is going to be its politics. And I hate bringing it back to this, uh, but an inescapable part of those politics are the money involved. Sure. Why does someone cheat? Because there's an incentive to it, there's glory and there's frankly, you know, a financial benefit to it. How, how rich are Bill Belichick and Tom Brady as compared to their peers on, say, I, I don't know, the Bills? Uh, I I'm not actually telling you to look that up. Well, I, am. I think that. <laughs> the end of the day, uh, while you're looking that up, at the end of the day, they're going to be reviled by a number of people. They have a certain amount of support that's just always going to be there because, frankly, um, a lot of sports teams come down to regional. And, um, you know, my my dear friend Brandon, who loves the Patriots, grew up in Massachusetts. I I've never sat down and, like, interviewed him, like, why do you, you know, what's your connection to this? But... I would assume a good chunk of it has to do with the fact that he grew up there. It's probably a team that he, you know, grew up cheering for or had associated positively very early on. There's that weird local pride that sports fans have. And so they'll always have at least that level of support, especially for as long as people care more about treating their sports teams like a personality trait and a virtue of how awesome where they're from is um, versus whether or not they're actually good at what they do. And so at the end of the day, so what if some people hate them? They can write them off as haters. And even if they get caught cheating, as if the rules in place don't offer punishment such that they lose their glory, fame, and money. I mean, I know where I would where I would stand at the end of that. Like, I'm not that honorable. <laughs> I, I am not so honorable that what's the, what's
0: the net worth on Tom Brady? You just looked it up? Uh, I didn't look up Brady's. Bill Belichick's net worth is $25 million. Oh, please. I would
1: sell out my morals for half of that. I'd sell out my morals for a quarter of that.
0: Tom Brady and his wife, Jalise Budchen, have a combined net worth of $580 million. What morals? <laughs> and, you know, you make a decent point. And even if one wanted to pretend to take a high road of money isn't isn't something that matters, like... Like The, the, the Pats also secured a legacy. It's a legacy that people like me are going to jump up and down and say, but, 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 but it's still a legacy. Tom Brady yeah. is head and shoulders in the GOAT conversation for NFL players and probably athletes as a whole in human history. Um, Bill Belichick is in the GOAT conversation for coaches and and probably people are going to bring up the fact that yeah he cheated he was smart enough to figure out how to cheat so you bring up a decent point.
1: There's always a difference between cheating and gaming the rules that aren't there. You know, there's there's an old story that um that I'm, like one of the old school weightlifting powerlifting coaches Bill Starr had where he said that. In one of the earliest um, powerlifting competitions, like literally one of the first years that the sport was invented, somebody showed up to the meet and before bench pressing, they duct taped their arms all the way up. They put duct tape all the way up and down their arms so that when they went in to do the bench press, they had the extra like spring back from having all this duct tape on their arms and after, and after he did the lift, they were like, you can't do that. And he's like, I read the rule book. Show me where in the rule book it says that I can't duct tape my arms. It says, and, and they were like, uh, we don't know what to do about this. But now the rule books state that your arms have to be bare. You can wear a short sleeve shirt. That's about as far as you can be covered. You can have a religious exception if you are a like Muslim woman who needs to cover up to a certain point. But it still needs to be skin-tight arm covering. Like, that's the... And that's the only exception they have made since, like, the 40s. If you... If there's no direct rule and you figure out how to exploit that, you're smart. If there's a direct rule and you're breaking it and just trying not to get caught, i.e. videotaping the plays, you're a fucking cheater. Yeah. Yeah. I think the responsibility for you and for our listeners and for any fans is when Brady and Belichick are in those goat debates, you have to bring this shit up as the argument against
0: absolutely, and uh, i i I will continue to do so for as long as I am even tangentially uh, a football fan. Yeah. <laughs>
1: on that note you want to move to our question because i'm excited about
0: this one yeah so um you know we we kind of did a a short notice notes prep session so this question comes from us from our friend our friends at relationships.txt which is a just delightful twitter account if you like following drama and alex would you like to read this or shall i i can read it all right uh okay
1: From relationships.txt, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes, a 25-year-old male writes in, my girlfriend, 22-year-old female, is afraid to come to my house anymore because she is convinced it is haunted. Spencer and I have been dating for three months. Everything is going really, really well, and I really like her. The one problem is that she is afraid to come over to my place. She used to come over quite a bit, but she gradually started to not like it. More than a few times, she woke me up in the middle of the night saying she heard stuff in the house. My house is old, so yes, it makes a lot of noise, especially when the wind kicks up. But I'm pretty sure it is stuff like the windows rattling. Spencer started becoming less comfortable going over to my house, and gradually I noticed she was directing us more to her place than mine. I asked her if there was some reason she didn't like going to my house anymore, and she told me that she felt like there was something in the house that doesn't like her. I was pretty surprised to hear that from her. I mean, she is a nurse and looking into becoming a doctor. She has really never struck me as a person to get bent out of shape over a quote-unquote haunting. If she doesn't want to come over anymore, I can live with it but I would kind of like to find a way to show her if my house isn't haunted and it is perfectly safe there, because it would be nice to chill at my place now and then. Is there a good way to show her my house is safe and not haunted? She doesn't really like going in anymore, even during the day. So, Andy. <laughs> um,
0: what uh. This is somewhat unlike we, any relationship I feel like uh, we've gotten before. Any any relationship question we've gotten before, it needs it needs names. We need names. That's um, true. Definitely need a
1: name for our asker, and if it could tie into a name for the girlfriend, that'd be pretty sweet.
0: It absolutely needs names. Um, who f- is
1: going? I'm ahead. kind of on a I'm kind of on a Fox Mulder Dana Scully
0: vibe on this one. Um, Well, what do you think? That actually... Oh, I really like that because someone believes and someone doesn't believe. I was just trying to figure out what Ash Williams' girlfriend from The Evil Dead was called. But (laughs) I I, I like Boulder and Scully here. I really do. Okay. Okay, cool.
1: Now, uh, for the purposes of uh, making sure that things line up properly in terms of belief, we're going to ignore stated genders. Hell yeah. Dana Scully... Um let's see what we can do about your girlfriend Fox Mulder. Mulder, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think to yourself, there's no place like home mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One of the most delightful sentences I've ever heard come out of your mouth. <laughs> it's straight up. You
1: wanna get you wanna take the first shot at this? Yeah,
0: so Scully, the first thing I will say is, you know. A part of me totally gets where Mulder is coming from. I I probably cut out the audio, but there was a period of this very recording where I had to pause because, and I quote to what I said to Alex, I think someone just knocked on my door and I'm alone here, so I got to go investigate that. (laughs) I don't know if I believe in ghosts, but I have this very select type of night terror where i am always afraid that just one day i am going to open my eyes and see a woman standing in my closet or i'm going to come home to the apartment and the lights are going to be off and i'm going to see some figure standing in my living room i never have i i never have and yet this is this pervading uh, dread I guess you want to call it and it, it sounds like that is what Mulder is feeling here but you know I still live in my apartment I, I I'm not gonna move away just because I'm afraid that there might be a ghost uh, living here with me the most simple answer I can think how do I show my house is safe and not haunted Well, one thing you could do is indulge your girlfriend and look up some sort of ghost prevention ritual, you know, light some sage and run it over the doorways and make a proclamation of unclean spirits be out. And if she is superstitious enough that she believes your house is haunted, it would stand to reason that unhaunting it would satisfy her. So that's that's one thing to think about.
1: Yeah. um, I mean that's definitely a place to start. I my reaction to when Andy told me that he worried that his place might be haunted was to do something that I frequently do when I encounter anyone who expresses any belief in the supernatural which is to just kind of go huh Okay, and move on. Um, And I do that because I'm trying my best not to be disrespectful. I have no belief in the supernatural. I have no belief in ghosts. I have no belief in spirits. I have no belief in an afterlife. I think that when you die, your consciousness shuts off as the electrical impulses in your brain die off and you rot or burn or whatever is happening with your body
0: which is a bit of a shock if she's not quite dead but quick
1: and that's me and i try not to push that belief on anyone but it sounds like dana uh you are a little bit more on my side of that you know can i call you dana is that disrespectful should i call you detective scully like would that be better (laughs) it sounds like you're a skeptic um and i'm a skeptic I think that a you uh, you mention here that if that if Mulder really doesn't want to come over to your place you can live with that um I think that that's a good thing that you can live with that because you know you've only been dating 3 months
0: Yeah very true
1: Um so you know this this hasn't gone for too terribly long um but I, I think having a willingness to kind of let that sit is, is probably a good idea. If it's something that truly bothers you this much, you know, I would probably probe a little bit into her, her actual beliefs. You say that she's scientifically minded. Um, you also say that the only thing that you actually say that she has told you is that um, she feels like there's something in the house that doesn't like her. Um, you might want to ask questions about that. Like, what does she mean that there's something that doesn't like her? What gives her that vibe? I I don't want to use the word humor because that sounds condescending. But give... I don't want to say humor her, but um, you can give her the space to kind of tell you what she is experiencing. You could also be honest with her about like, hey, I... I lack this belief. I don't want you to be uncomfortable, but I also don't want you to feel like you can't, like, ever stay in my house. What would it take for you to be comfortable? Is there a ritual that you believe in, uh, as Andy mentioned up top? Um, Is there anything that could be done to make her feel more at ease? Could you... Could you maybe start by just just focusing on asking her if she can sit in your space during the day, you know, perfectly controlled, ready to leave at any time, and then try and build that back up as she spends more time there? Can this be a gradual thing? There's a part of me that says, it's three months in, don't worry about it, you'll probably not be together in like another three months. Like there, there is a part of me that kind of is that cynical, but you care enough to write this in to relationships.txt, which I think is pulled from Reddit. Um, so at the very least, you're you're thinking about this. It seems to be going well, otherwise. So give her the space to have her beliefs, and maybe it's like anything else. See where you can compromise. You know. Maybe present the idea that maybe the thing doesn't like her. It just hasn't gotten to know her yet.
0: Ooh, I like that.
1: I, I don't know. I, I don't know how ghosts are supposed to work. Like, I've re- I read a lot of short stories with goats. I read a lot of horror books. Like, that's a very particular presentation of ghosts. Who knows what her beliefs really are? You should. You should know what her beliefs really are. Ask. Talk to her, yo.
0: Yeah. I like all that. I think that's a lot... As is probably appropriate, Alex gave very practical, appropriate (laughs) advice there while I went a little more indulgent and fantastical. But at the same time, I I do want to say one, both, either of these are very good to do. I think it's important to do them. You keep saying that this is your house. Which makes me wonder, like, say this relationship does blossom and become something more permanent and long-lasting, are, are you going to move out of this house? Are you able to move out of this house? If this is a rental, then maybe your problem solves itself when it's time to re-up your lease, but if it's not, and you obviously care about this person enough to try to find a solution, like... If, if, if she's afraid that the house she's going to move into is haunted, I don't really know what to do with that. Um, so I think go with Alex's route first. That certainly uh, opens up a lot more avenues for communication and, and trust. It's not as pandering as immediately saying, okay, well, let's do a seance, but... You know, maybe you find out that there is something that can be done that is ritualistic to try and ease Mulder's concerns. Maybe you do convince them that this is a Guillermo del Toro style ghost and that it can learn to accept her presence and, and be happy and they can go exist. Um, you know, the last thing I'll say. This is going to come off as kind of flippant, but I absolutely mean it. Do not let her watch Hereditary. Do not let her watch The Conjuring. Do not let her watch the Amityville Horror. Be uh, kind of mindful of any haunted house stories, knowing that she at the very least believes in ghosts enough to be afraid of a potential one in your home.
1: Alternatively, I just watched Beetlejuice last night. Oh, there you like go. watch the fuck out of Beetlejuice because like if you're getting haunted by Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, that sounds fantastic. That sounds delightful. yes, I agree. <laughs> all Harry Belafonte songs up all the way down.
0: Friendly ghosts exist. We just we have to convince Mulder either that there's no ghost period or if there is, it's a friendly ghost. Um, so in either case we will be on the lookout to see if there is any resolution this is a pretty um new relationship question on txt so i personally haven't looked to see what anyone else says i haven't seen if there are any updates um if you have enjoyed our unqualified paranormal advice and you want advice of a non-paranormal sort you can send those relationship questions it doesn't have to be about ghosts it doesn't have to be about girlfriends it can be about any sort of relationship you can send those in to love hate relationship podcast at gmail.com or our twitter dms and we promise we'll read them That's right.
1: You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or even TuneIn Radio. Hey, Mom. Uh, We would also absolutely love it if you reviewed us on any and or all of those. I mean, it can be all of those. Uh, You can also tweet us at LHRPod. That's LHRPod with your questions and follow us there to keep up with new episodes.
0: That's right. Uh, You can follow me, Andy Boel, at JovoCop2113, or if you are somebody who just listened to all those scary movies I talked about and went, oh, I'm going to watch all of those, I also do a cult movie podcast with the resplendent Stephanie Johnson. I don't think we've watched any haunted house movies yet, but there are a couple on our extensive list. Uh, So once again, that is Cult Fiction, and you can find it on Twitter at Cult Fiction Cast.
1: Yeah, as of the uh, when this episode drops, you have another episode dropping uh, the next day. But the most recent one, the day that this one dropped, was Blood for Dracula,
0: <laughs>
1: which is an experience, dear listener. If you uh, care to listen to cult fiction or watch their movies, holy shit, y'all. Um, Yeah, And you can follow me. I'm at A underscore X underscore R-U-I-Z on both Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening, y'all. 2009 uh, or 2009, 2019 uh, has come to a close for LHR. We will see you in 2020. Tell your enemies.
0: Uh, and with that said give me one second because somebody just knocked on my bedroom door but i'm alone here so i'm gonna check that out real quick in a joke that is just for you um it's not impossible my apartment is haunted